0: And that was our intro. I forgot the music on it. It's been too long on this. Dang it. Um, How are you, Tyler? What's up, big dog? I'm hanging in here watching
1: some some playoff baseball. But yeah, it's been, we were saying right before we started, it's been,
0: we don't know how long. um, (laughs) Yeah, we lost track of time. Yeah, several
1: weeks. We'll leave it at that. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a hot minute, but we're here. We're talking minor leagues uh, today. You can see the background, the road to the bike street. Thank you, Lewis, for that again. Lewis made getting out there on the pods. He was on the Rockies Now podcast a few few days ago. Our, he, our Robert, budding
1: star. All right. He's, like he's our little
0: a little minion there just <laughs> going from place to place doing his thing. So if you ha- if you don't know Rockies Now, they do a fantastic Instagram. They have a podcast now. Um, our boy Lewis is on it. But Rockies Now is just a good follow. Good guys over there. Um, they're fans first. You can tell when they're talking. Uh, so they're they're good people. Good people over there. And we're just here. I don't know. We have one day off in like the last seven months. And so Tyler and I are getting together, talking prospects. From this to that to all the things in between. It has been a hot minute. But before we even get to that, the playoff baseball. The first two rounds absolutely sucked. Yeah. Stop me if I'm wrong. <laughs> it but was just pointless, I felt it, like. It was terrible. <laughs> like it was no good games. They're all blowouts. The three game series at the beginning were I don't think it mattered. Like it was sweeps across the all four of them, I think. Except for one. And then the next the division series. I've just been disappointed in the playoff baseball. I think That's at least
1: point. these championship series have been really good like that especially did the astros rangers series that is like peak playoff baseball um the the phillies diamondbacks one is interesting i'm glad it's a series i i really did think the phillies were going to take it in five but you've got the d-backs who, who have really made a, a solid push they're they're looking respectable but leading into this it was a lot of stuff where yeah i was not that intrigued by by what we were seeing I will say, though, I'm actually glad, maybe contrary to popular opinion, that all like the, the top teams got eliminated. I, I just love that. Like, yeah. let's get the teams that are not really supposed to be going to the World Series, uh, defying the odds, making it that far. And not that really the, the Phillies or the Astros are defying <laughs> the odds, but the Rangers right. coming into the season, I think people were like, are they going to be in the playoff? Well, uh, the Diamondbacks, nobody really thought they were going to be in this position. So, it's really cool to see those two teams. looks like we're going to see the, their their opponents making the World Series, but it's this has been a nice championship series at least.
0: Yes, it's been fun. The, the chaos that was in Houston and Texas with Dallas Garcia and um, Abreu back and forth, which he definitely mean to him on purpose, <laughs> but we'll, we'll get into that some other time. I, and I just love the fact that the Dodgers lost. They got swept. Yeah. They were out quick by the D-backs of all teams, but who cares? It's the Dodgers. We played, what, three more games than we did, and you, we're still at home, and we're not doing anything. So, like, they have to figure something out. Like, they have a lot to figure out themselves. Yeah,
1: we could do almost like a, a Blake Street banner pod talking about the Dodgers, like, from the Rockies' <laughs> perspective. There's enough there where you're like, this has been the same – it's the same record playing yeah. on repeat now for what feels like – 10 years that they have been like, they're the best team of all time. They're the best, they're the best. And it is a really commendable dynasty that they're winning a hundred games almost every year, but there's just nothing to show for it. Exactly. they have to change things up at some point, given the resources and overall the brilliance that they do bring in that front office. They are a really, really well put together organization. It's just I mean fortunately for us, but unfortunately for them in the yeah. game of baseball, like they can't win in the postseason. So
0: it's it's unique, right? Like neither Rockies and the, like the they have what a Mickey Mouse ring, right? 2020 <laughs> yeah. World Series. And that's all they have to show for all the success. So like at what point do they start rebuilding or doing something different? Like it's Dave Roberts on the chopping block. They have to go down this whole line. The same kind of stuff the Rockies kind of have to figure out. It's just a different light. Like it's almost you're spoiled. But then, how much spoiled do you take that list up to, where you have to like step, take a step back and kind of reset? Like, I don't know. It's it's interesting. It's do you want to win hundred games and have be in the playoffs all the time, or do you want to miss the playoffs for fifty years and get that one time and win the World Series? It's it's kind <laughs> yeah. of it's kind of the it's debate world question. So it's, it's fun. So the Dodgers are out, and that's all that – that just makes me smile a little bit more. Um, that's all I root for. <laughs> you, know what else, you know what else makes me smile, Tyler, is love. So yeah. we are a Rockies prospect pod today, and our boys, Dugan Darnell, Noah Davis, they have are engaged. Like in the last 48 hours, 36 hours, they are officially engaged. So Dugan uh, proposes, I think, in the last few days to his longtime fiancé, and Noah Davis uh, was – out somewhere like i don't even know if he's in america and he like did a big <laughs> and <laughs> proposed to his girl so a huge shout out to dukes and noah on their their commitment to love going forward so just i had to get that in there like our guys they're just growing up in front of us and it's, it's adorable
1: so what if this is what we all do this for you know you see yeah. these guys year after year month after month and it's yeah there's there's a human side to that we talk about that a lot human side to it you know, they're playing this game so that they can really have a, have a full life. And, and so, yeah, those are really, really awesome things to see.
0: There's still that other part of it. All right. So let's get, uh, we're done talking Dodgers, done, done talking love. Let's talk rock. So let's get up for a little bit, Um but breakout <laughs> prospects. So 2024 was a pretty unique season. Like you and I were super huge on the starting pitching going into the season. I remember talking to, to Pat and uh, K-Dub. Like, all right, we got the starting pitching. You can go like five, six deep at each level. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be fun. And then it kind of went to the crapper pretty quick, like two or three starters per. You didn't know what the fourth or fifth starter in Albuquerque was going to be. And so we had that. And then we had breakout stars with Amador and Yekiel, Jordan Beck. Keep on that list. We'll talk about most of them. So it was a weird season. But as always, it is a recap. Like who are some of the breakouts that we should all be pretty excited about that we weren't quite aware of in March or April?
1: Um I I think I'm I'm split because I I've been eyeing the draft guys that, that we took. <laughs> so obviously, you know, you think back to the beginning of the season and those were not on the radar. But when you see the seasons on the pitching side at least that Sean Sullivan and Seth Halverson had after being drafted, I think both totally fit the bill of a breakout and i'll focus more on seth halverson because he actually got all the way to double a and that which is itself is is really what makes him a breakout. he wouldn't have made it that far if he was not absolutely shoving and in the end the guy's numbers were were pretty crazy 2.7 era and again he touched three levels 13ks in 13.1 innings he throws hard um, you know, he's someone you could see in the big league pen, like maybe next year yeah. it'd be, obviously they have no real reason to, to rush him, but clearly he's got the the stuff going. So he's, he's someone, of course, at the beginning of the season, nobody knew about him. So in a way it kind of cheats our <laughs> framework here of like, who did we not see coming early on? So for me on the pitching side, at least it's Seth Halverson, but Sean Sullivan was unhittable too. So both those and- guys deserve some cred.
0: Halverson was he was kind of a quiet, sneaky good pick. Just with the you you had Chase Dollander, his teammate down in Tennessee, and then you have Halverson, who was at what fourth pick, fifth pick.
1: I think I think he was like sixth. I think he was oh, like six, the sixth round, sixth
0: round. So a little bit later, and then you see him getting the quick call to Fresno, and then Spokane, and then Hartford. Like you said, like all three levels in those thirteen innings, and the fact that he hits a hundred, we don't have that in Colorado at all. So having that with Michael Peterson, seeing what th- that can come up with some of those big dog, big triple, a uh, triple digit heaters. It'll be exciting. Yeah. I like that pick. I like that. Halverson pick. Uh There's my pitcher. I could go either way. Kind of like you didn't really have either one of our radar. We didn't know who Zach Agnos really was as a pitcher. Cause he came from East Carolina as a dual, dual guy, shortstop hit dongs was really, that was where he was at. So like, how does he, Actually, pitch and do his thing. And then there was palm Palmquist, like who nobody was talking about, and then just coming in hot in high A Spokane and getting strikeouts galore. Like I think ninety percent of his outings had like eight plus strikeouts or seven plus strikeouts in his outings. It was just insane stuff. And then you have Evan Justice, who went literally just up the ladder and made his major league debut this year. But I gotta go. I gotta go, thread of the pod. Maybe a little bias showing again. That's what's what I do here. But Zach Nagnos. <laughs> Friend of the pod, he, he was on our Fresno recap uh, at the end of September. Just the fact that he came in, led all of minor leagues in, in saves, which you you can debate or not, but it's still impressive. His very first full year as a pitcher, and he talked about that like this: it's different. Like I have to come in and actually pitch. I have to look at scouting reports. I have to learn how to read this guy. I have to learn how to trust my catcher, have, making sure I'm on the same page of that. It's a hundred percent pitching. Where at, when he was at East Carolina, it was, I'm playing shortstop. I'm looking at coach. Am I coming in late? What do I have to do? I just have to come in, throw some heaters, and try to get them off balance. Like It's just different. Where he was saying, you're going nine deep, who could take a yard. It's just professional hitters constantly and trying to be on top of that in those high-leverage situations. I think that's impressive. And just being able to do that, again, low A, whatever, just being a pitcher for the very first time and doing that, that well i think has to give some props so i think he's my breakout of 2024 on the pitching side there
1: yeah and and absolutely it it really like it's impressive to see the guys as you're mentioning with the high leverage that that they're raised up as closers because it is a a bit of a different game than just coming in in the seventh you have an assignment to do like when you come in and your job is to shut the door a lot of the time with with a one or two run lead there's a whole different side of pitching when it when it comes to that so I yeah. think agnos is, is a good pick especially I think he was he was either the ninth or tenth round pick last year so again these are not yeah. guys who are who are necessarily supposed to come in and become impact players like sure they're going to be able to to you know stick around for a couple of years move up a little he was really really good I mean what he said so he did set the, the franchise record for saves down at yeah. Fresno like That for a 10th round pick, he is off to a fantastic start.
0: And just being trusted to go all season to do that. And like, should he have been called up? Probably. But Fresno was also making a playoff push and like, there's more high leverage in that, but just being able to be called on all season to be that closer is huge. Like we saw Hartford, they went to two or three different closers throughout the season, like between Darnell, um, Justice. Uh, I like him. Who's a, I there's think, a guy I from mean, Tigers, but there's,
1: oh yeah. Uh, Kootenek Kuzia.
0: K- Kuzia. Yeah. And like, they, they went through all three and Zach Agnos was just that, that guy all season long. And that's impressive in itself.
1: Yeah. They're, the, the future on the, in the bullpen is, is absolutely coming along. And I, yeah, we don't need to get into the whole, the whole history, but all these pictures that they're taking, there's enough that's going to pan out. And Seth Halverson, Zach Agnos, very likely going to be part of a a future bullpen at some point, and and Agno set himself up. He could easily be ending the season in Double A. He's yeah, to get that High A start, and after after stalling not stalling out, but after they stalled him in in Low A, you have to think they're willing to make that quick push to Double A if he starts the season off well. So yeah. both those guys, twenty twenty five bullpen, you could you could almost pencil that in right now that that both those guys could be. In consideration for that
0: oh for sure yeah for sure who's your hitter who's your breakout hitter
1: i in in the process of us talking about this i had to make a switch to braxton fulford i i originally was was thinking in other directions but I i like it like braxton was a was just a guy this year i don't think people were really expecting him to do a whole lot with the bat i think there was this expectation he's a solid catcher and he's gonna hit enough in the minor leagues but Dude, man, had a 377 on base percentage, 841 OPS. It, it was really, really good stuff across the board. He, 10 home runs is nothing that jumps off the page, but he did that basically in half a season's worth of plate appearances. He had an injury. He's a catcher, so he's just not playing every day. So 10 homers in 78 games, that's basically a 20-homer pace. We're looking at a pretty complete catcher. I think he's going to get the job done defensively. He made it all the way to AAA, which was awesome, and he hit a AAA homer. Uh, I think he had four yep. hits in AAA. His little his little three game stint.
0: Yep. So we hits. now
1: have another guy who is right there in the mix to be on the MLB roster come s- so like early summer next year. You could be it could be June or July that he is now uh, on the Rockies roster. We have a whole lot to talk about on that catching front another time. We're not going to get into that right now. But you have this weird catching situation where I've sort of been pushing like, does is Brian Servin going to stick around? in a way you can look at Braxton Fulford as a big reason why you could do anything at the catcher position. He is basically ready. I don't think he's going to push for the opening day roster, but you know, he could be there in a GIF.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think we've said it, I've said it for sure. and You might've echoed it, but I, it's definitely a Romo Fulford future one, two backstop in Colorado. That's, just with what Braxton's been able to do over this last year and a half since he got drafted, it's it's pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, and you stack him up with a lot of these these catchers the Rockies have had come through in, in recent years. You look at Brian Servin, who kind of an odd case since I think he was a 2017 draftee. Like he was drafted a long time ago. Um, and and just kept kept on his grind, steady work, got his opportunity. You look at Willie Mack, but it's someone like like Braxton Fulford has really stood out to this point yeah he hit in double a he absolutely crushed uh A. it was crazy what he was doing down there and then you know he made his his work in triple a and from all indications he is he's a fantastic receiver so he looks like that guy who can be a high-end backup catcher which that doesn't sound great like anyone who's a backup but being a backup catcher you have to be you have to be good
0: (laughs) yeah you do your (laughs) position is really important yes you do uh go right on that renee uh purple row actually just wrote a report about austin wins and how important that backup catching role is it's really good go go check that out on purple row it's on the twitter she released it this morning uh over there. I completely agree in front of the pod doing his thing. And he's, he's a fantastic dude. I love him. And just, just everything about him, how he carries himself. I like that pick. And I like how you went out there and you just kind of thrown in there. Uh, my breakout hitter. I mean, there's so many ways that you could go. You can go Yankee L. You can go Jordan, um, Jordan Beck. You could go Sterling Thompson. Even you can go down the road, but I think I gotta give, I gotta get some props. I'm going with Skyler messenger. I want to say Coco Montez making his, like he just dominated triple a all year. Aaron Schunk figured out the season that he knows what to do and how to hit uh, again. Like he's like coming back to what he was drafted for, but what Skyler messenger did down in triple a is just absolutely insane as a late what 19th, 20th round draft pick, just bombs for days. What do you have 18 on the season? 78 RBIs, uh, that 839 OPS. Like, I don't know what he is in the future. I don't know if he's part of the future. Uh, it's just awesome to see these late rounds picks. I have his things up here, just doing things. Yeah, 19th round out of Texas um, from Colorado, Colorado kid. So if you're listening, you know you enjoy that part of it too. It's just kind of the out of the woodwork, nobody, a nobody type person doing his thing and going out there and just grinding and understanding what it means to be a professional and actually walking the walk and then doing talking, the talk right behind it. It just it has to be recognized as well.
1: Yeah. And no, I, I like guys like him getting a shot. You know, he was drafted. Uh, I think he was 23 and a half when he was drafted. And and that's yeah. very old for, for a drafty. Most of those guys are barely 21. Some of them are even 20 getting drafted out of college. And I mean, that's the whole name of the game is find The young guys uh, who have who have some projection left in them. And Skyler Messenger, he falls in the draft because he's 23-and-a-half. But that doesn't mean he can't potentially
2: contribute. And,
1: yeah, do we expect him to be a, a big league guy and make an impact? I, that's shooting for the stars. But can he, can he continue to be a, a stable presence in the minors at the corner infield spots? And these guys are all dart throws. Three years down the road, yeah. maybe he has just pushed himself like a Sean Bouchard. Sean Bouchard was was in a similar boat. He was drafted a lot higher, um, but he came up at the at a, at an older age, and no one really thought Sean Bouchard was going to make an impact. And here right. we are. He's had two really good stints at the you know late in the season, and Skyler Messenger can't rule those sorts of things out. So really awesome story. Just the fact that he came into this organization mostly because of that Colorado connection but he's yeah. proving like I did deserve to be here. This is not just because they knew about me when I was in high school. This is this is a guy who who has worked to get this opportunity and, and really lived up to it in that first season in Fresno.
0: And he's taken full advantage of it. That's that's the thing. Like taking advantage of it, not taking it for granted. He seems like he works hard in the the clubhouse. Uh, our our boy Steven Rice of Fresno talks very highly of him and is very impressed by how Skyler just carries himself as a young professional and we could have gone Zach Kokoska same same boat. before he was injured he was breaking up in high a very mid-round he he switched to first base so he could actually play this year because he saw what the outfield (laughs) had with coming in and so he's like yeah I gotta switch up and he was outstanding and then you got Jimmy Heron at AAA who He's that Sean Bouchard type. He might be knocking on the door next year. Might be a nice little sleeper there. It's it could have gone cut multiple ways. Like shoot, Alaris Montero in triple A <laughs> is a season to talk about. So yeah. so so many breakout hitters, but I think your your Braxton Fulford and Sky Messenger, I think, kind of sum up sum up the season pretty well. I, and with that, like the extended season, Arizona Fall League. It's it's fun. I haven't been able to watch any games. I've I watch the playoff games. I was like, we're talking off off topic or uh, off recording. I have about 30 minutes to myself each night, 45 minutes before I get to sleep. And so it's playoff baseball or it's whatever crappy football games on late at (laughs) night. And I'm, I'm, I'm watching that and then pretty much going to bed right after, but the Arizona fall league is up. All the top prospects are in it. Like if you name a top, Hundred prospects. There's a ninety percent chance that dude is playing in this Arizona Fall League, and so let's talk about the Rockies a little bit. I want to touch base on Jaden Hill first. Um, so Jaden Hill, we all love him. He's coming up from Tommy John, probably has the one of the some of the best stuff in the system, but just was not able to figure it out as a starter this year. And high A, he wasn't. A, I think he got past three innings maybe twice. His stuff is electric. It's still there. Control was a little bit of an issue trying to. Get through the lineup was kind of an issue, and so I was I was thinking that maybe he's going to go try to be a reliever. They're going to try to send him as a reliever in Arizona Fall League, and I was right, Tyler. I was right. He's been in five games, five innings pitched, and in that time, uh, he's finished two games of those five, has five strikeouts, two hit by pitches. And that's that's another thing. Two walks, but has a one point eight ERA in that time. Jaden Hill. We all wanted him to be that starter, that knockout starter that we have been just wanting to have in Colorado for the longest time since Ubaldo, probably uh, early Herman. Like we're just dominated, but he's not going to be that guy. But did we find maybe a late inning eight nine guy in Jaden Hill? Like trying to just actually work with what we have instead of trying to force him to what he we want him to be.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that that's now sort of his his floor, and not that he's going to be the the lights out eighth inning guy, but that his floor is okay. He's probably able to get to the big leagues with his stuff as a as a reliever. But I I will say also that those starts in the fall league are pretty tough to come by, especially since since it's the schedule is is pretty tight. I think they want to have regularity. There they have four guys on that roster who have who have only started games. A lot of the other guys are are making openings, uh, things like that. So I think in a way this is more him getting innings than it is him him being completely relegated <laughs> to that bullpen. Because there's a one guy on the team, Wilmer Flores, not the MLB Wilmer Flores, but he's one of the he's probably the top pitching prospect for the Detroit Tigers. And yeah. he had a he had a pretty tough year, although he had a 3.9 year double. His
0: game. stuff is nasty. I saw him at West Michigan one game. And it, it's it's like okay that guy he's a dude
1: he's damn good and he's he's a starter but he yeah. has he has solely come out of the bullpen this year I think for some guys that's like a also like a innings management type of thing that oh. it means you're probably gonna throw a little bit less if you're starting uh, I mean he does have eleven innings to his name versus Hill has just five but it's sort of that you know let's let's really take this inning by inning with Jaden Hill and I think that there's a lot that has to I think. For him just to feel the pitching again, I'm, he's had a lot of injuries, and I'm sure that just finding repetition has been hard. So this good. is a good way for him to just rebuild and start small. But I think to your point, this is showing there's probably not the longest leash. I think he'll start next season as a starter. But if things are not going well, you now have this pedigree where, okay, he knows how to come out of the the bullpen now, and his stuff could probably play a lot better there. Yep he's absolutely done his job. And I think that's the most encouraging thing, a one-eight ERA. The the one thing I that I, I flagged and I was a little concerned about is that he's already hit two guys yeah. uh, in his five innings, which, oh, like that doesn't sound like a lot, but for five innings, that's a pretty fair amount. Nobody else on the Salt River Rafters has hit more than one. There's only six total for the entire team in 159 innings. So for him to have hit two in five, it kind of shows there's some some things he's still working on uh, figuring out, uh, but two walks is nothing crazy. That's that's solid. Five strikeouts, he's getting the job done, and and it, it gives you some hope. Hey, again, start small, keep it simple. Uh, really, really hoping he can he can find his way wherever he goes. But hopefully, as a starter, he can kind of again find his way. Uh,
0: in in his time there, also his whip is at a one point zero. He's only allowed three hits in those five innings too. So when he is giving up stuff, it's not he's not when he is giving up walks, it's not being taken advantage of. So he does have that wipe out stuff when people are actually getting on and able to bring it back, which is which is huge.
1: Yeah, I'm curious to see if they'll give him the push to double A, because usually you don't want to have guys repeat, but he's yeah. one it would make some sense to have him repeat before he faces faces some some really good hitters. Um but anyway, on the topic of this the bullpen and pitching, someone you can't quite throw him in that breakout category, but Juan Mejia. And yeah. I'll always remember Love that guy. two years ago, we talked to Stephen Rice, and that was the one of the guys, I think he brought up Mejia like twice. And I was like, I I think I had heard of him, but I wasn't really sure what to think. But Stephen Rice was on that, and this is a kid who he shoves. And and there's been some – he's walked more guys than he has innings pitched. But he also has 13 strikeouts in five and a third innings so far. That means he's gotten 16 guys out, and 13 of them are via strikeouts. So the stuff is absolutely nasty with Juan Mejia. Would love to see him clean up that control, but you're looking at another guy right there who has established himself as a potential bullpen guy going forward. He was in double A most of the season. So he's right there on the
0: radar. That translates those numbers you just gave. Translates to 21.9 strikeouts per nine. Just saying. <laughs> like just saying. Almost like a Roger Clemens, Carrie Wood type <laughs> starter there. But the walk rate you just said also translates to 10 walks per nine. So getting that control in the Arizona Fall League. Uh his wipeout stuff, it's been nuts. Like I was able to watch him in Hartford towards the end of the season. And his stuff is good. He's a little erratic. He's got to figure it out. Uh he's young. He's but he's got it got that reliever closer mentality like i'm a dog i'm out here and i will strike you out in whatever way i need to i'm going to come for you and it's just that seeing red type mentality when he's on the mound it's really fun to watch he's got the fernando rodney hat hat tilt kind <laughs> got, got a little bit of swag when he's getting on the bump he is fun to watch and his stuff is pretty nasty he's gonna be he's gonna be interesting to watch in 2024 as he tries to kind of develop that next that next level up
1: yeah it be and- fun Staying more and more in the bullpen, Alec Barger, who was I like a this trade guy. deadline uh, acquisition, came came in that Brad Hand deal, and at the time it was like, hey, this is really uh, a non-flashy name, but he's he, I mean, especially in the fall, league, he didn't have the the greatest Rockies debut in Hartford. He had an eleven ERA over eleven ERA, um, but in the fall league so far, five innings with. No walks, seven strikeouts, and he's only given up one run that came via a solo shot. So he's definitely locked it up this year. I think that's a trend. I would love to, you know, we will have to try and talk to, to him at some point. Like, what is being traded midseason like in the minors? And, and how do you adjust? Like, you get new coaches. And it's not like you're a major league guy where everyone is going to, okay, we just got this new guy the coaching staff's going to take a whole night and watch all the tape and all this stuff to make sure they know exactly what they're doing. This is the minors. I don't know if these guys have all the time to be doing that. He comes into a system and, and maybe things were a little bit rocky at just starting, feeling comfortable, but he goes with the folly and he has been nails.
0: It's Yes, he's one I'm really intrigued by. Uh Just coming from Atlanta to the Rockies system, there's definitely a change of philosophy there there has to be <laughs> like there's no way the Rockies and the Braves are doing the same thing <laughs> but I like his stuff he's he he was fun to watch a little bit uh with Hartford at the end of last season It's numbers didn't show it but like there's something there whether it's a in middle innings relief kind of guy to kind of get to that next that next level but he has the stuff to be there it, he's gonna be he's gonna be one to watch uh, Case Williams, he's gotten three starts, 3.24 ERA. He's one that's going to be knocking on the door next year. I could see him getting a few starts next year. Uh, but 10Ks in his 8.1 innings. Uh, Jaden Hill, we talked about. Uh, I think that's all the pitchers that we have going. Oh, Chris McMahon. Yeah. Chris McMahon. I
1: about Chris McMahon. You, you, you caught it. Me. I made the rundown and forgot Chris McMahon and then saw you had included him in there. So See,
0: this is yeah. why we're a good duo. We, we pick each other up. <laughs> we, we cover each other when we need to, but yeah, three games, one start hasn't gone well. 14 hits in those 5.2 innings, eight, eight earned runs, six strikeouts, only the two walks, but it's that those hits, that kind of, got him a little bit last year in Hartford. It was a lot of hits, the controls there, the commands there, but it's the, the stuff making it not hittable is something that he's working on. And the dude man's been injured off and on. Like he, the, he, this is his rehab. This is his rehab starts. Cause he finished the season on the IL. I think it was last like month or two, I think maybe even longer um, before he's getting this time at Arizona ball league. So taking those numbers with a grain of salt coming off an injury, as a rehab type situation, uh, his stuff is still there. I know you're still high on Chris. I we I need him. I want him. He I know he does. He's a grinder. He's a dog. I just want him to like see some kind of success soon, so that that next level can be attained.
1: Yeah, I'm still I'm still holding patient with him. The stuff was really good coming out of college. He his first year in the pros was was insane too. He just went yeah. straight to high. A. And was really consistent the whole year. Nothing super flashy, but for him to have been just really stable his first year in the pros, skipping the, the lowest levels, um, that was that was super impressive. And I think he had a shoulder he, no, I think he had a shoulder injury for like an entire year. And I think that that has sort of Can't sapped some of his arm strength. He's still working back from that. And I'd be really curious to see, because I, I haven't you know watched Hartford starts, I haven't seen what he's done in in the Arizona Fall League. I'd be curious where his velocity is. You would you would think well usually when you see numbers like this where there's 14 hits and five and two thirds I feel like he's not sitting where he used to in terms of velo he was a guy drafted he was 93 to 95 you got to think now he's because he's still trying to figure out that that slot his arm circle everything and and just getting that same that same whip he he might be you know 91 to 93 right now and that just doesn't quite work with with the characteristics that he he has otherwise so. Uh, that's me making an assumption, uh, giving him the benefit of the doubt that he still needs to to get his arm strength back. That's sort of what, what I'm thinking, though, based on what's happened, and, and that's another reason to be patient. Let the guy yeah. have some more time. Um, really, I think where judgment starts is is next season. We'll see where the Rockies put him. I think putting him in AAA would be kind of a not great. Uh, nobody does well in, in AAA for the Rockies. It's just not possible.
0: <laughs> right, it's <laughs> so, not.
1: I'd almost want to see him repeat double a and I hope he would just understand like, okay, this is actually the highest level I can be at where I will find success. Um, you know, where it's normal to pitch here.
0: Right. I'd love to see him in
1: double a and just see what happens because he's someone who could start very soon for the Rockies. If he can hit the ground running in 2024, you know, wherever he starts, he's he's right there on the, on the doorstep.
0: There, There are a few names that right there, uh, so hopefully, hopefully he comes around. And then the hitters, we got Benny Montgomery, Sterling Thompson, Drew Romo—quite a list of names. Uh, there's so we start with Benny, who still has yet to—I mean, he's two seasons in, so it's like, <laughs> don't let me be too extreme about it, but who's yet to like really play a full healthy season. He's he was doing pretty well in Spokane this year, had had very good moments. Then he got injured, and then. Had to come back injured a few times back and forth. Uh so he's in the fall league right now with the 373, 468, 510 slash, one dong, six RBI, or six stolen bases, and then nine walks to 17 strikeouts. Uh I think that 17 strikeouts is kind of high. I don't know quite how many innings. What are we probably what 15 games in maybe? I don't yeah, know.
1: Yeah, it's uh he's got sixty-two plate appearances, seventeen K. So it's a little bit below a third. I'm thinking that's that's like 29-ish percent. 27,
0: yep, 27.
1: Okay, so I mean 27 not is bad. not the
0: worst thing. No.
1: Like really the 30 mark is where it's like, okay, that's just like not good. High 20s, of course, you want to see it go down like a, a tick from there, but, um, you know, guys are going to be fine. Like he could be fine with a high 20 strikeout percentage because yeah, uh, he still does – it's funny to, to kind of juxtapose these together. He still does make a lot of contact. Like a, a lot of strikeouts doesn't mean – you don't make a lot of contact. It means maybe your approach needs to tighten up with two strikes. But I mean, if you're, if you're swinging and missing with two strikes, it's, it's, you know, you don't have to swing and miss with a, at a high rate with two strikes to have a lot of strikeouts. Um, some guys, you know, you think of your Ryan Tapia's of the world, they're like, I'm not striking out in some ways. It's better to like strike out than it is to do what Ryan Tapia would do and <laughs> hit a lot of weak ground balls. So that I'll, I'll give Benny the benefit of the doubt for now. You know, we're seeing – saw the power with the homer. We're seeing the speed. He's played center field, six stolen bases, and he's getting a ton of hits, and that comes down to he makes a lot of contact, and it's good contact. I'd rather have a guy strike out 27% of the time and make good contact than strike out 15% of the time, and he's hitting 300. Yeah, um, I mean, that would be great if you're hitting 300 with 15% strikeout rate, but Benny's hitting 373 <laughs> right now. Yeah. He's, he's getting the job done.
0: His stuff is there. And th- with the big strikeouts, you, if you're going to have big strikeouts, you're going to want big walk rates. And he's at a 15% walk rate right now too. So with those nine, nine walks and 62 play appearances, that's definitely above league average. If you're looking at the major league standard, Sterling Thompson, I love this man. I know you're going to talk about him later. Uh, it's, 13 walks to 16 strikeouts, four doubles, two triples. Doesn't look like any dongs yet, but he's not really that kind of guy. He, he might get you 10, 15 in a season with the, the doubles and triples being a little bit higher. But a 521 slug, a 492 OPS, just insane numbers from Sterling Thompson. Do we see him in purple next year? Does he kind of get the Hunter Goodman type treatment next year?
1: yeah i mean i think it i i'm curious to see how he finishes this this fall extent because his, his average was over 400 for like the first 10 games the last three i think he's he slowed down a little bit um uh, but it's all it's hard to maintain a 400 average like you could go one for three and your average is lowered from 400. so i'm curious to see where he finishes off this this fall extent because he could put himself in position to start in triple a which would be different from like a Hunter Goodman. He could start in AAA, and I think someone like Sterling Thompson is gonna have a, a lot of fun in AAA. A. Yeah.
0: <laughs> There's gonna be something happening. That. Yeah. I
1: think he will he'll hit some early homers. He'll run a four hundred like four twenty on base percentage or something like that. Um and I, I think he will be in purple by July. We can we're getting we're getting some July. of those takes rolling already. <laughs> I think Sterling Thompson Slipping in out. July.
0: Sterling um, Thompson, July. I I would tend to agree. I, I'm I'm on my pedestal that he is the most MLB-ready bat in the entire system, even with guys like Coco and Shunk in and the, and the minors, Jimmy Heron. I still think Sterling Thompson, just his bat is going to play no matter what. Just He's been insane. He struggled a little bit at Hartford, but I mean, who doesn't? still had a 333 OPS, 429 slug in that time up there. Is, was still walking, fifteen walks and one hundred and forty-four plate appearances. So right around that eight nine percent that you're looking for. I just I love Sterling Thompson. I wasn't a big fan of when we drafted him. But didn't know what he was going to be, what we were going to do with him. But he's he's proved himself pretty worthy, especially when he's healthy. He's he struggled with some injuries at the beginning of this past year too. And then the prodigal son not not to put that title on him, <laughs> Drew Romo. I uh, just. I drew Romo, Arizona Fall League, struggling a little bit. Uh, 182, 308, 318, uh, slash with one double, one triple, four walks to four Ks. So, you do like to see that a little bit. I'm assuming with those numbers, he's not getting as much playing time as the other guys yeah. with the catching. I'm sure it's like a rotation of probably three catchers down there. So, consistency is probably hard for him to find down there. But, drew Romo getting that extra work in, getting that Arizona fall league stuff in there, working with other pitchers. Continuing to get better after his kind of roller coaster of a year of 2023, but it ended on a very good high note uh, with Drew Romo. So, you taking anything away from that? You just kind of saying, "Ah, it is what it is." Where are you at with that Drew Romo fall league stat line?
1: Yeah, for now, it's it is sort of whatever he's got six starts or just he's appeared in six games. I don't know if that's six starts, twenty six plate appearances. Like that's yeah. definitely that's a Small. week's worth of playing time. You know that's not even the worst. If you have that week in the minors, like you're not disappointed. Like a 308 on base percentage. He's he's walked four times so far to four strikeouts, which I think is a little bit intriguing. And I think something just to to recap all three of these guys. All like Benny Romo and Sterling Thompson. They're all drawing a fair share of walks. And that yeah. might be sort of the directive they were given going to the the fall league. I think you send these guys out, and you want them to play their game, but it's also a really good opportunity to to kind of work on some things, and or at least just to to play the game with a slightly different mindset. And we all know the Rockies do not have a lot of guys who draw walks, and if they can get the, some of their guys to to push their their walk rates up. You're going to see huge benefits at the MLB level. So I think what I'm seeing, and, and Drew Romo sort of is a cherry on top of this, because he's not a guy who, who has walked a lot in the minors. But between Thompson, between Romo, and between Benny Montgomery, uh I'm, I'm trying to do the 26 walks between the three of them. And, and again, you're looking at that's in less than a month worth of games. That's in basically two weeks worth of games. Yeah. So you're seeing those three guys – all looking a little bit more mature at the plate. Um, And the results have been crazy for Benny and Sterling with Drew Romo coming along. And and also, yeah, like you said, there's three catchers there. He's like maybe getting two starts a week. You're not going to find the best rhythm.
0: No, not at all. So that's the Arizona Fall League update. Just fun. Just fun to see this many guys. We had some guys there last year, but it wasn't like eight, nine deep. I think we had maybe three or four, like Zach Veen. That's all I know for sure. I'm not even going to go down that road. But it just seems like we have a lot of Rockies prospects there this year where we didn't quite see that last year. So, and some of these friends of the pods, like Case Williams and Chris McMahon doing their thing, it's good to see. It's good to see them getting recognized. And usually that Arizona Fall League is the system seeing you. All right, we see you. You need to work a little bit extra. We want you to go to do this where you're not maybe quite ready for a winter league ball team somewhere else. So love to see that. Um, so before we get into our special guest in a little bit, um, you're, again, your mom's going to be pretty excited. So make sure you tune in with your mom after our little recap here. Uh, let's talk current our current top five prospects uh, where we're at now. So you, me, we'll start at five. Maybe we'll start with our honorable mentions and go down to one and get there. And uh, this is brought to you by Daily Controls. Got to give our one sponsor some love. Don't have a Controls pitching of the week. I should have probably throw that in there. But Daily Controls, he does any of your automation needs. Uh, go check his website out at dailycontrolslsc.com. Just he he will he'll travel to you. He'll go to Denver. He'll go to Hartford. If you need some kind of engine fixed or some me- mechanics figured out, he's a very smart dude. He knows what he's doing. So holler at your boy, daily controls if you haven't uh, if you need some automation fix. Still don't know what that means. I've talked to this man about once a week for the last 10 years of my life. I still have no <laughs> idea what that means. But he is he is a very bright dude. I love it. love him. Give him some love. If you do need anything, he will travel to you. He goes down to Mexico like once a month. So he will get to you. Top five prospects. Start with your honorable mention, uh, Tyler. And then we'll go down the list and we'll try to get this done before our our mom's excited
1: yeah so for me my my six and seven so i'll do my i didn't list them in the rundown but my six and seven and i don't even know how i'd order them it's, <laughs> it's jordan Beck and drew romo i think those are my two guys just outside the top five and that's no knock on them because both of them in the end had i mean Beck, of course we all saw what he yeah. was doing most of the season he had like 25 homers uh drew romo ended up having a good season he it, it was above average production Those are my, that's my six and seven. Again, I don't know how to rank them
0: there. And and
1: even number five, it's kind of a little interchangeable at the back there.
0: I should preface this. I think you and I look at top five prospects a little bit differently. So when I'm given my list, I'm thinking who's going to kind of be making noise at the major league level soon. Like Nolan Jones was like a number three, number four prospect for me going into last year where I think Nolan Jones might've been like a 10 spot for you going into last year. Tyler and I look at this a little bit different. I'm very, what is my prospect going to do for me soon type on my list where I think Tyler, correct me if I'm wrong, kind of the future, future, what gains down the road where we're at, like the true prospect looking at it. So keep that in mind as we go through this like my number five you though know, i just ran the rave about it and i think he's going to be there or my number six is sterling thompson honorable mention just being that ready i do think he'll make his major league debut this year but i also think some of my other guys might be up there a little bit sooner with a bigger impact to maybe so to speak i think sterling thompson is too much brendan rogers like to really make a stand like that make some noise like Kind of like what we saw with Nolan Jones. Like Sterling Thomas is going to be more Brandon Rogers than Nolan Jones as a professional. That's yeah. where I'm at.
1: Like I don't, yeah, you wouldn't want to throw the the comp around. But obviously, they're very different, but I, I definitely see what you're saying from a production standpoint. Yeah, the production I hope he can standpoint. be a little more stable than Rogers, but that would yeah. be a, a good outcome, even.
0: Right. Um, yeah. Exactly. It's the, still the outcome is still there, still what you want. It's just it's not the awe dropping thing that I think we all want from these prospects gotta gotta keep her perspective i've been i've been on the prospect hype train a few times where i had a derailed like this guy's terrible he didn't do what i thought he was going to do but he's still a successful major leader down the road like okay so let's let's tame this down a little bit um
1: my number five benny montgomery and kind of going off what you just said with him if if he ends up being a a Brenton Doyle type of big leaguer, you're like, no one's going to be that upset. Uh, but I think what he's shown in the fall league, we, we didn't really get to see him consistently this season. It was like an injury here, an injury there. Like nothing was, he didn't have any serious injuries, but it right. seemed like he missed like a week or two, multiple times throughout the season, uh, kind of derailed again, that rhythm that you want to see guys build up. But right now he's my number five. And, and a lot of that just comes down to, he's super fast. He's a good center fielder and, and there's enough there offensively. I think he may, again, he makes a lot of contact. I think he's still figuring out his swing, trying to hit for power, um, trying to, trying to tighten up with two strikes. But I I think there's enough with the bat that he's going to end up being that two-way guy goes out there and picks it in the field at the plate. He's going to be, you know, hopefully at least close to average with the, with the bat. Um, So it's hard for me not to put him in the top five, even though I you know, I like someone like Jordan Beck a little bit more at this time. But Benny Montgomery, you can't deny the speed and the defense that he's going to bring to a ball club.
0: I'm excited for 2024 where I can actually sit down and watch Benny Montgomery a little bit more. Like I'm watching 100 yard goats games a year, just time-wise and everything. And I haven't been able to quite buy into Benny because I don't think I've seen him enough. And I think he does everything well. Nothing outstanding, kind of like what you're saying. So I think just that above average tool set f- across the board. I think will finally come up to show in Hartford. Uh, I'm I'm starting to starting to buy a little bit more on Biddy there. My number five is Drew Romo again. I think he he will I th- he will be a rocky by the end of the upcoming season. He's gonna have some struggles, but I was just so impressed with how he handled his 2023 season. If you've listened to us at all, I'm huge on what are you going to do when t- times get tough? And again, Drew Romo never had that opportunity in college, never had that time in high school because I mean, who struggles in high school <laughs> if your name is Drew Romo? But like he never had those trials and tribulations where he had finally had to go through that in 2023 and he figured it out. The last few months of his season, he ended September with 11 games with a 3.95 batting average, 790 uh slug, which is absolutely insane with some help with from Albuquerque, but Even then, it just, he was hitting 536, OPS 536 in April, and May was 590. Got up to 800 for June, July, and then finished strong in September. Just the fact that he was able to kind of make those adjustments and do it. And how many prospects do you know had two three home run games in a season like i could have just said that and just stopped talking like that's that's impressive i just think what he's been was able to do this year needs to be recognized and should be go forward it's it's cool
1: yeah i I, people are not giving him the credit that he deserves for this year you know did not have a great start to the season and and if you were to talk to a lot of fans they would think he did not have a great season but he finished with above average production in double a and that is not something you see all the time for a young hitter. It's it's impressive, and especially for a guy who's supposed to be a really good catcher first. Yep. Um, but flipping the switch, hopefully someone who's throwing to him quite a bit in the future. I have Chase Dollander at number four on my list. We didn't get to see him this year. I was a little bummed about that. But in, in the light of all these Tommy John surgeries we saw this year, I'm okay if they want to really play it safe with his arm. But I think this is the best pitching prospect they've had since john gray when you think about what they were in the minors obviously herman marquez ended up being better than than john gray at least with the rockies um this is this is the best pitching prospect since since john gray you don't see these guys come around that often um the just starting their their pro career with a ton of hype a lot of guys build that hype after a year or two they're like your spencer striders drafted in the third round and they just hit the ground running um hopefully chase Dollander can can hit the ground running with the hype he already has. It's big stuff. Uh, really excited to see him in 2024. That's one of the the things I'm most excited for. And he could yeah. be, uh, you know, in, in Rocky's purple, like, early 2025. He's It's going to take him a year plus, but 2025 is is not out of the question.
0: Dude, Victor Vodnik, Evan Justice, Gavin Hollowell, Chase Dollander, Duke and Darnell. Like, <laughs> there's some talent in this armbar coming up. I love that. Uh, My number four is Joe rock Again, gains from season before to where he's at now. Just, he is that strikeout guy that I've been wanting for a long time. He was able to do that consistently at Hartford. He did struggle the third time through the lineup, like his fifth and sixth inning ERAs jumped up to 11 plus in that time, but his one through four was around three. So that third time through the order kind of kicked his butt a few times but 19 innings pitch with 108 strikeouts. And the other thing that kind of really stood out to me was his left on base percentage. So in 2022, he struggled with runners on, on base. He was just terrible. He had left on base percent went from 44% in 2022 to 69% in 2023. So he was able to figure out how to get people out while they were on base. So that was huge. And the fact that he can just strike you out whenever he wants and, just insane like he tied the hartford yard goes if net break it in strikeouts in a game with 12 or 13 which was so much fun to watch so joe rock i also think he's going to be a rocky this year he will be that sixth seventh eighth guy depending on who they bring in free agency which is nobody because it's the rockies nobody wants to pitch there but joe rock is going to kind of get that carl kaufman noah davis treatment in 2024 i I believe and he's going to impress he's going to get out there
1: yeah and there's just not that many lefties out there who who right. gets strikeouts like he has at the upper levels of the minors. So absolutely excited about him. Sterling Thompson is my number three. We've talked about him a lot already. So I don't need to, to do too much more uh, with this. But I think there's up, uh, like top of the order potential here. A guy who can hit over 300 at the, the big league level. I think that's sort of going to be his MO. You you coined it. He's a 10 to 15 homer guy. Maybe in his future, hits 20. That's not because he doesn't have power. He has a lot of power. But he's a line drive hitter and and I he's not gonna sell out for power. He's gonna hit and, and I'm I don't know where he's gonna play. I think that's sort of the question right now. Is he a second baseman, third base, left field, right field, maybe all of the above, and, and that almost makes him more intriguing to me that that you get this positionless guy um who's yeah. who's gonna hit. Like I you you coined it also, him being the most MLB ready bat. I you know, I'll stick with I'll stick with amador but thompson is also right there like thompson is a very pure hitter lots of contact lots of good contact i'm stoked for him
0: yeah he, he he's gonna be good I'm, I'm gonna give my number three and my number two because they're very similar okay. players uh jordan beck is my number three and Yankee fernandez is my number two very similar with the bat you're gonna get big strikeout numbers uh low walk rates but you're gonna get big power And I'm watching these MLB playoffs, Tyler. And there's one thing to success. It's dongs and starting pitching. And if you can do either one of those, and preferably both, you're you're gonna be successful. And I think the Rockies have that power. You got Hunter Goodman, you got Nolan Jones up in the minors, and then you got Jordan Beck and Yankeel Fernandez right behind him, who can just give you 25-30 home runs any part of the season that you want, which Again, high strikeouts comes high responsibility and all that, but I just think there's so much there that the Rockies drastically need, and it's just it's it's, it's exciting. And the fact that Yankee L again, my number two prospect, has the arm to match it. Like we all all love Brinson Doyle, we all love Nolan Jones for what they can do with their arm and their defense. Yankee L might have just as strong of an arm as Nolan Jones, and nobody knows about it like what he did in the Futures game, go see those highlights. Just yeah, put it on the, on the that's... Twitter. It, it's, it's out there. And I think Bryce McGowan said, like, if he got up on the bump, like Yake, probably piping 90, 95 on the bump. So it's just that power really excites me. I, again, I was big on Nolan Jones for that simple reason. There's that untapped potential. And if each of them can just lower the strikeouts a little bit and kind of maybe hit a double instead of a home run every once in a while, it's it's going to be fun to watch. So Beck, my number three, and Yank, my number two.
1: So I similar-ish guy at number two for me. I mean, he's, he has not shown the same power, but sticking with, with a guy that has had as much hype as any Rockies prospect in, in a long time, Zach Veen, um, down year this season at the start, but we learned that he did, in fact, have a wrist injury that had been nagging yeah. him since really the end of of the 2022 season this was almost a, a year that he has this injury going on and he kept trying to play through it and eventually it just got so bad that you know surgery was required they it sounds like he is playing winter ball in Puerto Rico it, it is so he's getting some of those missed reps there's just so much still there with Zach veen he's the same not quite the same tier of athlete as Benny Montgomery but this is a kid who can play any outfield position he has a strong arm the raw power is insane um and he's shown at multiple stops whether it was fresno spokane the arizona fall league last year that he has the makings of a pure hitter also five tool talent it's it's all there i'm so excited to see him with a with you know fully healthy he could he could start in triple a i don't know if they'll do that but he you know he played most of this year in double a triple a is a logical spot for him to end up. And I mean, everyone was clamoring for him to make the big league roster last year out of spring training. And I think that was, again, he had rested enough that his wrist was, was sort of healthy. Um, But yeah, there's, there's franchise changing upside here. We've all kind of forgotten about it a little bit. And when he's healthy, we're going to see some, some really, really exciting things.
0: Yeah. And that's why I left him off my top five. I just need to see that health. And again, he's, he's, Delayed a little bit in that progression just because of those injuries, his talent is still there. I'm still big on his talent, but I need to see it healthy for a while. And then we both agree on Adele Amador, and anybody that's listening agrees that Adele Amador is the number one prospect in the Rocky system. I'll I'll add my two cents, then you add your expert expertise, then we'll kind of finish it with that. Dylan, we can answer your question too. We got to get ready for our our interview uh, that uh, with your mom's favorite player shortly, but Adela Amador just, I don't know. There's just something about this man that like we loved him. We loved him in 2022 Tyler, but then 2023 hit, and we're like, Holy crap. He found the power in high a along with the patience. like 31 walks to 26 strikeouts insane uh, with that. And that's just at the double a level. Nope. That was, that was high. A it's just the mature bat with it where does he play i think i think we both are in agreement that he's going to be a second baseman as a major leaguer it's just we haven't seen anything like this this type of bat like tovar had the bat had it with it he he grew very similar timelines with amador it's just i think amador is just like that next step yo i'm ready i'm here let's let's go let's go ride
1: yeah, I've tossed this comp around before and I almost don't want to make it anymore because he might never play again in Major League Baseball. Like I see a lot of Wander Franco here, switch hitting, shortstop slash second baseman, but an in, in insanely good hitter. And I'll kind of leave it at that for now. I want to answer Dylan's question since the homeboy dropped by and 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 given us some love here. For me, those guys, it's it's maybe Drew Romo. That's that's a possibility. I think the the strong two who have you got to put the question in there. What if they're not
0: watching, Tyler? Hold on. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> who All do right. you guys <laughs> think will make the opening day roster that has not made their major league debut yet? Now go, Tyler.
1: So maybe Drew Ramo, <laughs> but I think the real strong candidates is Julio Carreras and warming Bernabeu. More likely, Julio Carreras since he played a, a fair amount of AAA. The Rockies might need a new backup middle infielder. Who knows what's going to happen with Alan Trejo? Uh, He has no more options left, and they're going to go into the offseason realizing that they have to make some space. Not saying he is for sure gone, but Alan Trejo is not a lock to stay on the roster, and Julio Carreras could be a pretty seamless replacement in 2024 on that opening day roster. So I think that's probably your strongest answer. I'd go number two, Drew Romo.
0: I'm going to throw a curveball in here. I have two in mind for different reasons, but I think Willie McIver – would be at the top of that list. Uh, I don't know. Austin wins. You don't really have a quite a backup catcher. I, I do believe the Rockies bring back Austin wins. I think you agree with that as well. But if they don't, I think Willie McIver is that next stopgap before a Drew Romo or Braxton Fulford in that sense. Um, and then my other guy, I, I, I love him. I, hopefully we can get him on the pod. Uh, is, is Jimmy Neutron Huron? Uh, it just... He might be pushing. There might be an injury, one or two in those outfields. Like you're pretty set with Brinton and Nolan. But then you have Sean Bouchard. Chris Bryant's going to be a first baseman. So you have this battle for that third outfield spot. Like Chuck should be the DH. I think he's okay with being a DH now. So you have Sean Bouchard, Jimmy Heron. I think those are the two most major league ready guys. And I can see Jimmy making a push to make that major league roster. And I would love to see it because the way he, dude played at the end of 2023. He deserves that shot and they're going to compete. And I think, so those are my two answers, just Willie Mack, just because we don't really quite have that backup catcher and Jimmy Heron just to compete with that third outfield slot. It's going to be fun. I right. might yeah. might be a relief pitcher that would make the opening day roster, depending on what they do with like Suter and some of those other free agents back there. Like you could see a uh, Vodnik made his debut. Gavin, well, maybe I maybe like a Michael yeah, Thompson. A
1: little, the bullpen's a little jammed. I feel like, yeah, there's just they have so many guys already on the forty man who are staying. So that's why I was looking towards that that offense. You got yeah, the yeah catcher position, and to. then your backup middle infield position. That's I think really where you're looking.
0: And people forget about Julio. I really like that pick. Like he's a good ball player. Like, he he came back after his injury. He was having fun. He brought some life to that that yard goats team who was just dreadful this year. Just couldn't find it. And then like him and warming came back around the same time. That left side was just all smiles and just brought some brought some positivity, some flair to it. And then he Julio's a dog. I like Julio. I can see him being a good middle relief. And he's already on the forty man. Uh, He's already protected. So he might he might be getting that push there too. I like that pick. Um, Anything else for the good of the cause, Tyler?
1: I think we we have a session with someone that, that everyone's mom is going to love. So. <laughs>
0: yes, absolutely. Uh, we are not going live with Hunter. We're going to record it. You'll be able to watch it on the YouTube. I'm not going to tell you when because I have no idea when I'm going to be able to get that up. But you will be able to listen to it on the podcast form, which is more supporting us. In, if you are a listener, go listen to us on a pod somewhere rather than YouTube. And that's going to be up tonight, along with the whole hour that we did on the minor league recaps. Tyler and I are trying to get our life together, trying to figure it out with our busy schedules. We hopefully will be coming with a traditional Blake Street banter conversation uh, before the Rule 5 draft, before then, when they start making their final roster spots in the middle of November. Hopefully, we can come back around then or before then. And we're just going to keep doing our best to give you some content that you aren't quite aware of. There's so many things we need to cover. We want to cover the. <laughs> which prospect to make the big major league impact. They might be rule five draft, the 40 man roster stints. There were so many things that we wanted to talk about, but we didn't quite get to it. The fan questions, Tyler, we didn't get to the fan questions yeah. either. You all thank you for sending those in. We, we apologize. We will get those. They're still on our list. We'll still have a rundown. Maybe we can get a few more for the next time. Um, there's too many things to talk about in such a little time, but we are here giving you the different kind of content that, the other guys are great, but they aren't giving you your mom's favorite player banter sessions. So sit back, relax, go ahead and listen to this now. And if you join us live, I appreciate you. Dylan, thanks for hanging out, dog. And um, we'll see you next time. And as always, go Rocks, minor league affiliates. Woo! Welcome to Blake Street Banter where one of us knows what the word banter means the other two are just along for the ride. Tyler say what's up?
1: What's going on? And unfortunately I do not have my my mom here. She would she would love to be <laughs> watching this as we're joined by everybody's mom's favorite player.
0: What up Hunter? How you doing?
2: Doing well. How are you guys doing?
0: Doing all right. Doing all right. Do you like that nickname? We're trying to make it a thing, and we need to know if it's okay to, for us to actually go out there and try to make it a thing.
2: Um, I, I think it's funny. I, I think it's a. It's a <laughs> I think it's cool.
0: Okay. All right.
2: So we
1: well, got yeah, the... Aaron. You were the one who started it. What was sort of the inspiration on that? <laughs> <laughs> I just started and it, it ran, and I'm like, I, I support this. So how yeah. did that, How did you come like come up with this?
0: Lean, you got to lean into it when you when you find some kind of gold, right? But uh, <laughs> it's just it's the last name. You're a good man. And like your mom is going to be happy if you're bringing home a good man. And so I was like, just mom's going to be happy with a good man. So Hunter Goodman, it just, it worked. (laughs) And so that's where I was going with it. Uh, So thank you for hanging out. You had quite a, quite a season all across the board. Um, But the biggest one is it's kind of wedding planning season. We talked to your, I talked to your fiance in Akron for a little bit. Fantastic lady, super nice, very personable. It was, I was awesome getting to talk to her for about an inning there um but like what how does that even work during the season how is it looking now how is that all happening
2: um I was pretty blessed as far as during the season um, I obviously I helped with some things but she did a great job doing during the season um, a lot of the things that she could do on her own she did on her own and she tried she tried not to like stress me out or bother me with some different things so that I could focus on baseball for a little bit. But um now that I've gotten home, I'm I'm trying to do my best to help um some of the things I don't know what's going on because I've gone for most of the year, so it's a little weird, but um yeah, it's been great so far.
0: Is is that wedding this summer?
2: Um no, it's in, it's December 2nd. So we're we're uh,
0: Okay. It.
1: Yeah, wow. That's that is kind of very soon. Other than that though, any what is the winter shaping up to look like for you? Obviously
2: you're going to have ball, but what are some of the highlights that, that you've got? Um so uh I've started working out a little bit, but um for the most part uh, I've been golfing and then going hunting are the two things I usually do in the off season, so
0: How's the golf game looking?
2: Um it's all right. It could be <laughs>
0: It's spoken like any true amateur golfer that gets out there. Anyway, that's awesome. And then what are well, you hunting? Gotta... Sorry, what was that? What do you What are you hunting? What are you going out hunting?
2: Um, whitetail.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: And it we is... gotta know how your your like record drive, like whether you got the range oh, yeah, or something. Drive. This is the person to ask with that swing.
2: Um, it just it just depends on how I'm hitting it that day. Um. If I hit it well, I mean, I can hit it 300. Um, if I'm not hitting it well, it's it's 300 right and 200 right. So.
0: That works. That works. That's awesome. So enjoying some of that free time, but also preparing for the craziness that's about to happen. Because that, that month leading up to that wedding, man, it's it's all hands on deck. It's, yeah. it's a blur. So <laughs> Godspeed to you when that comes around. Uh, let's talk baseball. So you had quite a season starting at double A and finished, finished in Colorado, just, I guess, what's your kind of overall takeaway from all of that, just in that general sense?
2: Overall, I, I felt like, uh, I felt like I had a great year overall. Um, looking back on it now, um, I, I went into the year trying to uh, clean some things up as far as the, the chase and stuff like that goes. And I felt like I did a better job. Obviously that can still, I can still improve on that. Um, but I was able to keep pretty much the same production um, with. I, I didn't have as high as batting average and stuff like that. So, but I was able to keep my production up and do the things that I did that my first full season as well.
1: Well, so looking at just one one of the stops, you spent time in Albuquerque. I actually lived in Albuquerque for like eight years, and my my parents are still down there. So, I I, I love seeing games there. But there was something different going on with you you had a 903 slug in just about three weeks down there like what were you feeling in albuquerque like was it was it something in the water how, how can you explain that to us um
2: i don't i i'm not sure if it was something in the water <laughs> but, uh, but i uh when i went home i went home for the all-star break kind of hit with my dad a little bit talked about some things because before the all-star break i was struggling a little bit um maybe trying to do too much or whatever whatever it was and then I came back from the all-star break started hitting better in Hartford and I think I think just towards the end of my time in Hartford I was getting hotter and hotter and then I got to Albuquerque and kind of kept going so I think that was a, a big thing going into that
0: just once you are hot stay hot and especially in Albuquerque go with it uh, Jordan Pacheco he's a friend of the pod and really like talking to him what did he kind of did he bring anything new to light with you or is he just supportive? Like how did, what was kind of your relationship with Jordan in triple
2: um, I was only there with him for, for a short period of time. Right. I felt like I, I loved listening to him talk about the, the pictures we were facing and the different approach that you could take for that certain guy. Um, as far as the swing goes, I didn't really do much. I haven't done, I haven't changed a whole lot um, since I've been in pro ball. So right. Um, the approach thing I really like to talk about.
0: Okay. Anything like that he said, like kind of stood out to you? Getting ready for Colorado?
2: Um. No, I mean he just. I mean it's just the same game up there too. You just got to keep that same approach. I mean obviously there's more fans and it, it's a bigger stage, but you got to try to do your best to to calm the nerves and just do what you do and not not try and overdo it because that's when you start to struggle.
0: mm Hmm. Was that so? Was that hard to do? Like, that's got to be like, what was those those emotions going through the clubhouse for that first time? Just that whole first game experience.
2: Yeah, the first game experience was pretty crazy. Um, I got there, that I got there on Saturday night. At, I think I got into my hotel room like one in the morning, and then um, got to the field the next day, and it was just. Uh, from that time on it felt like the day just went by like in the snap of a finger it was crazy
0: that's awesome yeah i talked to your your dad left me on red i'm a little mad at him <laughs> i tried to get him on the pod after your debut i wanted to do something different like what about from like a dad's perspective but he was he was traveling like crazy he was helping you he said something about moving your truck or something from hartford or down or around so he was a busy man so i i've I'm 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 over it. I'm a little hurt, but I'm <laughs> over it. Um but just like just having that support system there with you, like being willing to pack up and go. Like they drove what eight, nine hours to go see you in Akron from uh Memphis area to yeah. when you made that when you were there. Uh and then they made it all the way to Colorado and kinda of followed you a little bit there. Like what what's that support system like? Like
2: it's awesome. Um and it's uh it's one of those things where they don't at the end of the day they don't care how i do i mean they want me to do well and stuff like that but it's not going to change or affect how like how they talk to me or anything like that it's all it's just it's nice being able to whether i go 0 for 4 or 4 for 4 going after the game you know you're going to talk to somebody to people who love mm-hmm. you way and are going to be there to support you no matter what you do so it's really nice to have that
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And again, talking to your fiance and seeing the support from dad on on the social, like you have a pretty good support system going through that. So that's, that's awesome that, that they're there for you. You can lean on them going with that piece. That's a huge, like we, me and Tyler talk about a lot, like there is a human side to all of you. And I think sometimes we forget about that as fans. Like we see you on TV, we see all your numbers and all that, but you guys are people too. And so it's good to hear some of your perspective as we, as we talk to you all. So that's, that's cool. Um, do you miss catching? Um, sometimes
2: I, I, uh, I feel like sometimes it helps me hit um, just, ca- just seeing the ball from that perspective. Um, it's pretty similar. And then, um, yeah, I mean, uh, that's what I've grown up. That's, I caught all the time. And then in college, in my last two years, I caught almost every game. So um, it's a position. I really like to play when I get to play it consistently. Um, it's tough when it's every once in a while you catch. It's hard to keep up. Um, it's hard to try and get back there and feel the same as you do when you're doing it more consistently. But, yeah, I miss catching. I think, um, I think I've think i gotten a lot better since I've gotten into pro ball, working with uh, Jerry and different people in the organization. So,
1: well, yeah, what can you tell us about just your yourself defensively right now? I know there's some conversations you might want to – uh, keep private if about plans and stuff but would you say catching is is becoming a thing of your past or or is there still going to be a little catching in in your future
2: um i'm always i feel like uh at least for right now i'm going to keep working on it i'm just uh i feel like that just adds value if i can do it if if even if i'm just an emergency guy if something crazy were to happen i feel like that adds value so i'm going to keep working on that and then work at first base and um, keep trying to get improved in the outfield as well.
1: Yeah, and describe that journey for us, because the outfield is one of those positions you kind of feel like, oh, you know, you you track fly balls growing up, you can figure it out. But when when there's so much time for you in between, mostly playing catcher and then jumping out in the outfield, what was mostly this year like for you having to to refigure all that out and try to become a major league outfielder?
2: Um, it was different, definitely a lot different than last year. Last year, uh, last year I was focused. I every day I was taking ground balls at first and just doing first. And then this year it was kind of crazy because I was days I would DH, I would try and catch a bullpen or two, and then go take some ground balls, and then go out in the outfield shag during BP. So it was a little different trying to trying to figure out a routine where I could try and. Um, get all three of them in or whatever so uh but for the most part the day I you know the lineup when you get to the field so um the days I was playing first I'd go take ground balls and then days I was playing outfield I'd shag um so I got to where on those DH days I figured out a pretty good routine where I could work on a little bit everything and um it ended up working out pretty good
0: it's almost like every day was a youth baseball camp for you <laughs> like from station to station going to figure it out from there to there what's your favorite so is catching obviously your favorite position to play like
2: um yeah i'd say catching's probably my favorite
0: yeah all right um so like you're you're working through that so going back to that emergency catching that was my question were you aware of, like bud black said you were going to be a catcher if you had to go extras at one point in one of the games in late september I cannot tell you exactly which game, but, like, were you aware that, like, that was going to be the game plan going forward, like, in that moment? Like, I'm, I'm curious, I guess, how are you told, like, if you're emergency or you're going in, in that yeah, kind of setting?
2: They told me, um, I think I think Diaz pinch hit for wins at that time. Yeah. Diaz got on, and they, they told me if Diaz got on and they needed a pinch run for him that I was going to be catching. So Diaz got on, they pinch ran for him. So I went and got all my gear ready, all that stuff. I got everything ready to go out there, and uh, I mean, we went. We ended up uh, losing the game, but um, yeah, that was a, that was a crazy, crazy feeling too. My adrenaline was pumping. I was nervous; like it was, it was crazy.
1: And was there anything like? Obviously, you're you're not putting as much work into catching as you used to. But being around Elias Diaz and Austin Wins, those are those are two experienced catchers. Did you? get anything like from the catching game or just from their their mindset approaching baseball whether it's trying to you know look into pit guys tipping their pitches something like that did you pick anything up from those guys
2: yeah i i talked to wins a lot while i was while i was up um he did a lot of stuff with video watching video of uh opposing pitchers seeing if they would tip their pitches he would watch videos of our our pitchers making sure they're not tipping our tipping their pitches um and he did a great job with scouting, getting a good note card ready and um, knowing different weaknesses of all the hit- hitters and stuff like that. So, yeah, I talked to him a lot, and I felt like uh, he did a really good job. I think at least, yeah, with wins, we, we definitely heard a lot. He's sort of like having another bench
1: coach in the in the dugout in a way. And, and just hearing from you about that extra help with, with advanced scouting and stuff is is good to hear. Yeah. Um, I know you have to kind of detach yourself a little from the the transactions and stuff, but it has to be a little, um, you know, bittersweet seeing a guy like that that leaving. Um, at least for now, he good chance he's he's coming back, but just seeing a guy like that off the roster's got to be a little bit
2: um, bittersweet. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I told him, I I texted him and said good luck, and um, I hope I mean wish the best for him for sure.
1: And so otherwise, though, from your from your call up, you you mentioned getting I think getting into the hotel at 1 a.m. And and having that following day would be completely surreal. But was there a, another moment that you'll kind of just always remember forever, whether it was a funny story, like getting to the field that day or just something else surreal, like walking by Chris Bryant, like something, something in that range? What would you say is that other moment that you, will just always stick with you?
2: Um. I'd say honestly, just uh, hmm, that's a that's a hard question. Um, I mean, the following weeks um, we played against like the Braves. Um, I was playing first, talking to talking to um, Austin Riley. I know him a little bit, but then Acuna gets on first. I get to talked to Acuna a little bit. So some of those things like that are pretty cool. Um, obviously, watching the watching the big leagues for the last few years, talking to those guys, some of the best in the game, and um, being able to do that is uh, something that's really cool. Well,
1: and so kind of building on that that Acuna question, and not specifically with him, do you remember who, when you were playing first base, who the first guy to get on was? And just how did that interaction
2: feel? <laughs> um, it was obviously somebody for Baltimore. Um, I can't remember exactly who for Baltimore, though, is the okay. thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, uh, pretty much everybody I talked to was cool. Everybody told me congrats and, um, best of luck. So it was, it was a good experience.
1: Yeah. And you, you do have a lot of experience at first and, and everyone's watching games. And I I think everyone has this like backstory or just this idea that those conversations at first base, there's a lot of just hidden stuff going on. Are they pretty just like, basic conversations like what's the weirdest first base conversation you've ever had with with an opposing player
2: (laughs) um you know the weirdest uh i mean i've had some guys um ask questions about other teammates that are like nothing to do with baseball just asking different questions and then i've also also i've just had conversations like hey how are you doing good how are you good and then (laughs) there's no talking after that you just Ask how they're doing, and then you. So um, there's a lot of different ranges of where the conversation goes. Um, obviously, there's different guys you feel more comfortable talking to if you know them a little bit or if you talked to them before. But um, yeah, I don't know if I don't know if I've had any really weird ones.
1: <laughs> so I could totally see some guys just trying to like get in your head a little bit by saying something completely unexpected. Uh, but. Also, a lot of guys are just yeah giving you the how's it going thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think just one more question, you know, heading into 2024, you you had a nice cup of coffee in the big leagues. You you mentioned you're trying to cut on cut down on chase a little bit. What else did you feel you were taught in, in your time with the big leagues, and and how are you planning to make those adjustments and and really set yourself up for for this next season?
2: Um, I think uh, I'm I'm this off season I'm trying to put a bigger focus on on the defense than I did last off season. Um, Obviously I've, I, I love to hit and I've always loved to hit. So I spend more time on that. Um, But just watching some of those guys work defensively before games and stuff like that. um, I think that's something I need to put a bigger emphasis on just to get, keep it, continue to get better at first and then right. And even catching. So putting a bigger emphasis on that. And I think uh, that's one of the biggest things. Well, sweet,
1: yeah, it was it was a pleasure seeing you'd you'd really jump through the system, and I hope like how was well, yeah one more how did you enjoy Albuquerque? Just that that's a you know place that's near and dear in my heart. Uh, you can say anything bad you want to
2: because I have plenty of bad things to say about <laughs> Albuquerque. So, well, um, <laughs> honestly, I didn't get to I didn't get to do much because I was only there for that one week. Because when I got called up, we were in Round Rock, went back to Albuquerque, and then went to OKC, but um. As far as, as far as for me, I mean, I ate a few good, good restaurants. Um, I I probably, I don't remember any of the names, but um, I had a good time. The games were fun, good experience. Um, stayed in a, a hotel for the week. So it was, it was a pretty nice hotel. Wasn't bad.
1: Yeah. I guess I forget that some of those minor league schedules, you're out of town. You're on the road for like two weeks straight. I mean, that's, that's kind of crazy, but otherwise that you know again really great watching your progress this year congrats on on cracking the big league roster um congrats on on you know the wedding coming up that's extremely exciting so just enjoy enjoy all these times it's, it's been a huge year for you and
2: it's going to continue to be will do i appreciate it
1: yeah thanks thanks so much again for coming on you know we'll be we'll be in touch and and take care yeah thank you